Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make sure you're aware of a few things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks at Hope Church LV, and also be sure to check out our website at hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're going as a church. Once again, thank you so much for checking out this sermon at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. If you are a guest with us today, we have been journeying together for some time through a New Testament letter we call in our Bible the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead this morning and turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to begin the last chapter, chapter 6 today. But as we've walked through this letter together, a few weeks ago, we came to a defining statement in Ephesians chapter 5. It's a statement that really defines how we as brothers and sisters in Christ are to relate to one another. Paul gives us this statement right after he's given us the command to be filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning that as Christians, we are to walk under the filling of the Spirit of God, under the control, the influence of the Holy Spirit. And what he does is he then gives us the defining mark, the first evidence that we are walking filled with the Holy Spirit is not how high we jump in worship. The first evidence is verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5. I want to put it back up here on the screen. Here's what it says. Let's read it out loud together. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it'll affect the way you relate to God, but he says, man, it'll also affect the way you relate to each other. When we're walking filled with the Holy Spirit of God, we will begin to be subject to one another. And even hearing that, we kind of want to push against that because there's something hardwired into our fallenness that does not like the idea of being in subjection or being in submission. It's not a popular concept in society, but let me say this about it. It's a very Christ-like characteristic. So what we did out of that verse of Scripture is we gave you a defining statement. If you've not been here the last few weeks, I encourage you to go online and catch up. I actually preached two weeks out of just this one verse of Scripture. And really laid the foundation for what we're studying right now. And I gave you a defining statement out of this about what it means to be subject to one another. Let me put it back up here. Let's read it out loud together. In every way, let's start over again. I want you reading it with me, all right? Here we go. In every way I relate to you, I consider you more important than me. That's submission. That's subjection. Now, this is not a statement of value. 
It's not that you are more important to me than, than me. We, we've already unpacked this, that, that in the image of God, we've all been created. And because of Jesus, we are now all one in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, male or female, slave or free, Paul says. We are now one in Christ. It's not a statement of value. It's a statement of because of my relationship to Jesus, I'm now going to relate to you in such a way as you are more important than me this should define every relationship inside the family of God for the believer now what Paul does next and what we've been studying for the last several weekends in a series we've been calling family matters is Paul began to apply this principle to the relationship of husbands and wives parents and children but this is not just a principle that's narrow, narrowly defined for that one relationship. This principle really is about all of our relationships inside the body of Christ. And Paul is just giving us some examples of specifically what it looks like in the context of family. In the context of family, husbands and wives are to live in Christ-like submission towards one another. In the context of family, parents and children are to live in Christ-like submission to one another. This morning, we're going to begin to transition to talking about specifically the relationship of parents and children. We've been for the last two weekends talking about husbands and wives. Now we move to parents and children, and some of you are excited about that. Amen. We're ready to get off of husbands and wives. I, I can't hold anymore right now. <laughs> We're going to talk about parents and children. And let me just say that I know when you hear me say that, uh, that some of you immediately kind of begin to tune out and think this isn't for me. But again, you got to remember the umbrella principle is this idea of submission to one another, all of us. And so in every one of these unique examples, there are specific application, but there's also so going to be truth that God reveals to us that applies to all of our relationships. And don't forget this as well, we're all children. We all came from parents. You didn't just pop up one day. So as Paul's writing this, there's application for all of us. We're going to read in Ephesians chapter 6, the first three verses this morning and unpack them. And, and I want to remind you again as we read these, Paul is writing here in Ephesians to Christians. And he's writing to followers of Jesus who are seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and pursue God's divine design. You have to understand that as you read these verses of Scripture. That's the context. Paul's not writing a how-to manual for general society. Paul is speaking specifically to followers of Jesus who are walking full of the Holy Spirit. Look what he says in verse 1 of chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is, say it out loud, right. Right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. It's a reference to the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus and in Deuteronomy. So that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. It's interesting that in this context, Paul spends three verses addressing children. 
One commentator that I was reading that has, has written a book on the letter to the Ephesian church said this, and I thought it was insightful. His name's Tony Marita. Listen to what he said. The fact that Paul mentions children in such an important letter demonstrates the value the early church placed on children. I mean, this has been, we've been walking through this letter now for almost a year. Paul has dealt with some heavy theological practical stuff in this letter and in the midst of this letter that Paul is writing these weighty things he takes some time to address children I think it's interesting in a world that we live in today that often describes children with words like this a burden a responsibility a dependent a hardship an inconvenience the church should place a high value on children. Why is that? Because it's what Jesus did. Remember the story in Matthew chapter 19 when Jesus is ministering to the multitudes, he's ministering to the masses, and he, he's, he has this moment where he's going to pray over people, and some people start bringing children to Jesus for Jesus to pray over these children, and it kind of angers the disciples. The disciples were like, come on, man, get these kids out of here. Jesus got important stuff to do. Let's read it. Look what happened. Matthew chapter 19. Then some children were brought to him so that he may lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples, look what it says they did. They rebuked them. Get out of here. Jesus don't have time for these kids. He's got important stuff to do. But Jesus said, let the children alone. And do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Here's what I think that means. One evidence of Christ-likeness in our lives is the value we place on investing in the next generation. If children to you are simply an inconvenience... If they're simply a burden, that's not a parent-child issue. That's a Christ-likeness issue. Even for the church, I thank God every week we have a, in the other building, we have a team of people, staff and volunteers that are giving themselves to pour into their lives. Today, we'll have north of 500 children in the other building. Why do we do that? Is it just so it can be more quiet in here? No, that's not why we do that. Let me tell you why we do that. We do that to place a high value on pouring the Word of God into the next generation in an age-appropriate way where they can interact with God. God's Word, and we give parents tools to take home and have conversations to lay the foundation of the Word of God. Why? Because Jesus placed a high priority on children. So we're going to talk today about children, but don't tune me out yet because I'm going to bring a lot more of us to the table in just a minute. I want to give you a defining statement like we've done with each of these relationships. We gave you one for wives, one for husbands. Here's one for children. What does it look like for a child to live in Christ-like submission to their parents? Here it is. Children, you are to demonstrate Christ-like submission by honoring your parents, recognizing them as God's gift to you throughout the seasons of your life. 
for a child to live out this being subject to one another, it means that that child is to honor their parents by recognizing them as God's gift throughout the different seasons of life. So let's dig into this for a little bit and talk about a couple of things. I want to ask and answer two questions. Here's the first one. Who is Paul talking to? He says, children, obey your parents. Well, it's obvious. He's talking to who? Children, right? The problem is we hear that word children, and some of you are already thinking, wouldn't it be better for you to preach this sermon in the other building today? Because that's where my kids are. Would you go over there and preach this sermon and let somebody else preach to us today? But the reason we think that is because we don't understand the word children here. The word Paul uses here is a unique word. Had Paul used the Greek word paideon, you'd be right. The word paideon is a Greek word that we get the English word pediatrics from. Pediatrics is the the branch of medicine that focuses on infants and small children. But Paul did not say, Pideon, obey your parents. Paul uses a different word. It's the word technon in the Greek language. You say, why is that significant? Because technon is the broadest term in the Greek language for son or daughter. Age is not the issue. You say, what's the issue? Dependence. Sometimes I hear young people, junior high, high school, college, even young adults, well, I'm not a child anymore. This does not apply to me. I do not have to obey my parents. Here's what Paul's saying. For the follower of Jesus walking full of the Holy Spirit of God, as long as you are living in a relationship of dependence on your parents, here is God's will for you. Obey your parents. You say, how do I know if I'm living in a relationship of dependence in my parents? Here's how you know. Answer this question. Who's paying the bills? Until you are paying not some of the bills. Well, I pay for my own gas and my car. No, 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 no. Until you're paying for all the bills and you are independent. The word technon means anyone living in a relationship of financial provision or financial or, or provision dependence on their parents. That's who he's writing to. And this is as much applicable today as it's ever been. Did you know, according to an article in Forbes magazine uh, done by Pew Research Center, the millennial generation is now living longer with their parents than the previous two generations? Millennials are the group right now in society that would be considered 23 years old to 38 years old. So they're getting older. Millennials are getting older. 23 to 38. The latest United States census said that one in four millennials are still living at home. And here's the reason why, according to the article. The number one reason is financial dependence. They can't support themselves yet. Listen, here's what Paul's saying. It doesn't matter how old you are. That's not the issue. Well, I'm 15. Well, I'm 18. Well, I'm 25. Doesn't matter how old you are. If you're living in a relationship of dependence 
on your parents, here's God's word. Obey your parents. That's who Paul's talking to here. Anyone living in a relationship of dependence. But what we're going to talk about in just a minute is it even goes beyond that. Because that's just verse 1. Children, obey your parents. Verse 2 is a quote from the Old Testament that doesn't limit it even to to technon. It's a statement that says, honor your father and mother. And it's describing an ongoing continuous relationship, meaning this. The word honor is a Hebrew word, kabod. It means heavy. It means give weight to something. Here's what Paul is saying. While you're living in dependence on your parents, here's God's will. Obey your parents. Once you're independent, you should still honor them by giving weight, by giving priority to the counsel and input they're going to speak into your life. It's an ongoing thing even beyond a relationship of dependence. I'll give you an example from my life. I'm, I, my wife and I have been married 27 years. we got four kids. Two of our children are now married. A third's about to get married. So, so we've done some living in our lifetime. But I still don't make a major decision in my life without picking up the telephone and calling my dad. I'm blessed to still have my dad living, who's a phone call away. And you're going to get to hear him preach uh, here in a few weeks here at Hope Church. But, but my dad is a guy that I'll call. and I'll Now, not in every area, not in everything anymore, but I want to honor the principle that God's teaching, even though I'm not living and haven't for a long time lived in a relationship of dependence on my parents. I still am commanded by Scripture to honor my parents, and that means to give weight to the relationship that God's given them to me in my life and to seek counsel and input. So that's, that's who he's talking to. It's not just little kids over in the other building. It's all of us that still have that kind of relationship with our parents. Here's the second question I want to address. What's he saying? What is Paul telling us to do here? Well, there are two Verbs, two commands that Paul gives us. Now, before I unpack those two commands, let me say this about a command in Scripture. What I'm about to explain to you is a command in Scripture, meaning this. You do not need to go home this afternoon and pray about this. Here's what we do as Christians. We spiritualize stuff, and we try to justify stuff. When God says something plain in His Word, you ain't got to pray about it. And if you do pray about it and you really hear from God, let me tell you what he's going to say. Do what I already said in the book. If anybody ever begins a conversation with you with this sentence, well, I know the Bible says, but run. (laughs) I'm just telling you, it's not from God. And people will do that. We'll justify stuff. Well, I know the Bible says, but I feel. Listen, when did your feelings become God? So Paul gives us two commands, not suggestions, but commands. Number one, obey. Obey. What does the word obey mean? The word obey, it again is a unique Greek word. It's actually a compound word. It's two words put together. The first word is a word that means to listen. The second, the, 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 the prefix put on front of it is, is the phrase that means to, to place yourself under, to be under. He's, he's describing a listening under. Let me say it another way. It's to listen to your parents in order to respond to them with a spirit of submission. That's what it means to obey. 
MacArthur said it means, John MacArthur, to listen with attentiveness and respond positively to what is heard. Max Anders, I think, gives a great definition. I'll put it up here on the screen. Obedience, as it relates to parents, is the simple process of hearing, understanding, and responding. I love how he calls it simple. But it's not that simple, right? Because there's a lot wrapped up. Hearing means you got to listen. What are your parents saying? Understanding, making sure what's in their heart's getting in your heart. And then rightly responding to what's being heard or communicated. And the way Paul uses this word, he says obey. Not only is it a command, it's in the present tense form. You say, why is that important? It's describing action that is continuous. Meaning, Paul is not saying in certain circumstances, obey your parents. Or in situations where it feels good, obey your parents. Paul is saying, for the Christian who's genuinely desiring to conform to God's will, obedience to parents is not just some of the time or in some things, but all of the time in all things. As a matter of fact, in another letter Paul wrote, he said it exactly that way. In Colossians chapter 3, look what it says. Children be, and we got a typo right there. I just noticed it. Anybody else see that? Chidron. It's not Chidron. It's children. It's amazing what goes through your mind when you're preaching up here. I'm just telling you, if y'all knew half the stuff I thought about while I'm talking to you, I'm having a conversation, and right now I'm doing it. I'm having a conversation myself saying, why are you talking to them about this? It's supposed to be just between us. <laughs> Children. That's actually, that's actually kind of how we say it where I'm from in Alabama. Children. Lord, I got to get out of this. Be obedient to your parents. Say the last three words out loud. No ambiguity there, right? In all things. Here's what that means. If you're living in a relationship of dependence on your parents, doesn't matter how old you are, if they're providing, if they're paying the bills, if they're supporting, obedience to your parents is an all times, all things issue. It means as it pertains to school, as it pertains to relationships, as it pertains to boundaries, as it pertains to standards, as it applies to responsibilities, as it applies to choices. You say, is there no exception to this? Yes, there's one exception. When your parents' instruction violates or contradicts God's instruction, then you have a responsibility to submit to a higher authority, and that's God himself. If you're living in a relationship of dependence and your parents are instructing you to do something that is contrary to that which is sought and got, taught in God's word, then you submit to the word of God. But let me tell you to do this. Before you take that stance, get with another brother or sister in Christ and make sure you're rightly understanding the word of God. Get some counsel on that first before taking that stand. Why would you do that? Because that's part of honoring. Don't just assume that your perspective is right. And that's what he means when he says, do this in the Lord. In the sphere of pleasing the Lord, as you seek to live in obedience to Jesus, you must live in obedience to your parents. That's the word obey. Here's the second word, honor. Again, it's a command. 
to honor. It means to prize something, to consider of great value, to show high regard for or revere. And I think, man, this word is as needed today in America as ever. You travel to cultures around the world and there is a culture of honor for elders. There's a culture of honor for those who are older. In America, we're living in the day when those who are older often just get pushed aside and they, they're, they're discounted and they're not revered. There's not weight given to who they are and what they have to say. And here's what the scripture says. The way God has designed it, he desires those with experience to speak into the lives of those who've yet to have the experience. So we're to honor them. What's the difference between honor and obey? Obedience is about doing the right thing. Honor is about doing the right thing with the right attitude. You can obey without honoring, but you cannot honor without obeying. Let me give you an illustration. A parent says to their child, did you make up your bed? No. Are you kidding me? They stomp to the bedroom and make the bed up. That's obedience, but it's not honor. You know what honor does? Honor makes up the bed before they ask you because you know it's the desire and intention of their heart. And so before they can even ask. And then when you do forget and they do ask, there's an immediate response that says, man, I want to honor and I want to obey That's honor. And honoring is not just what you do when you're a child in dependence. As a dependent child, to honor is to obey. As an independent child, to honor is to give weight to the counsel and care of your parents. That's why in that definition earlier, I talked about how they're a gift during the seasons of life. There's going to be one season early in your life when the parents are there to give boundaries and parameters and instruction and your your relationship is one of obedience. And in that relationship, as you become independent, transitions to being one of counsel where you give weight to their input. And then as that continues to transition, it becomes a relationship of care where you begin to care for your parents in a sense of honor to the Lord. So let me, let me close today by giving you three practical applications. Here's the first one. A life of honoring God begins with a life of honoring your parents. That's where it starts. It's your relationship with your parents that teaches you to trust and obey God. We're going to talk a lot more to parents next weekend, but, but let me just give you a statement that I read again by Tony Marita. Look what he said. The first picture of God children receive is from their parents. Parents, that ought to sit heavy with us today. The way that the child, that's why the, the, the reality of this statement is why a lot of adult Jesus followers struggle in their relationship to God because they had dysfunctional relationships early in their childhood and they have to work through some of that because it's a filter that shapes with some of the reasons some of you have a difficulty trusting God as your father is because you didn't have a father that demonstrated the kind of trust that we can now look to in God. 
And so we have to process that and grow. Because of the brokenness of our world, not everybody has the right environment that they're brought up in. But nonetheless, this principle is still true. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, our children are learning what it looks like to put faith in God by putting faith in us. Think about it from the child's perspective. Think about that child's born into this, the household of these parents. That child doesn't know these parents from Adam. He didn't get to pick them. There was no interview process, right? There wasn't even a background check done. You're just born, dropped into this house, and told to obey. You know what that sounds a lot like? Faith. Now, the more they grow to know those parents in the right environment, the easier it becomes to trust. You see what God's doing in the home? He's using Jesus-loving parents to raise Jesus-loving children in an environment that teaches them what it looks like to trust God by faith. A life of honoring God begins with a life of honoring your parents. Here's what this means too. Obeying your parents is really not about your parents. Obeying your parents is really about your obeying God. It's your trust that God is big enough to be in control. Here's the second application. You can't be right with God and be living a life that dishonors your parents. Disobeying and dishonoring your parents is disobeying God's word. H.A. Ironside said it this way, for young people professing piety to ignore this principle of obedience is to manifest utter disobedience to the one they own as Lord. Don't walk around church with your Christian buddies in small group talking about how much you love Jesus following Jesus if you're not living in a right relationship of honoring and obeying your parents. Paul says it's not possible, can't happen. And we see this uh, throughout the New Testament emphasized. In our culture today, we've almost relegated disobedience to parents down to the level of a joke. It's so insignificant. We make it out like it's not even a big deal. As a matter of fact, there are entire sitcoms and movies that the plot line, the punch of the joke is about being disobedient to your parents. But throughout the New Testament... We see a very different perspective. In Romans chapter 1, we understand that being disobedient to parents is a mark of ungodly living. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is describing a society that is radically spiraling away from God. I want you to listen to what he said. Look at it in Romans 1 verse 20. I'll put it up here on the screen. Paul says, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, talking about this society spiraling away from God, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God. This is quite a list, huh? Haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. Read the next one out loud. Without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. 
Paul's describing a society that is spiraling out of control away from God. And one of the characteristics is disobedient to parents. We, we may minimize it, but I'm telling you, God doesn't. You can't be right with God and not be living a life that is honoring of your parents. Here's the third and final. A life of honoring your parents is a life of fullness and freedom. It's a life of fullness and freedom. You say, wait a minute, that, that seems contradictory. You're telling me to live in obedience to my parents, and you're telling me that gives me freedom and fullness. How is that possible? Well, let me illustrate it. And this is going to freak some of you out, but just get over it. You'll be all right. I could break a mirror, too, and ain't nothing going to happen, all right? We're, we're fine. God is bigger than your superstitious tendencies, all right? Nothing bad going to happen because we opened the umbrella indoors. Say, why'd you do that? Here's why. God gave parents like an umbrella. What does an umbrella do? When the storm is happening, the umbrella protects you from the elements, right? The umbrella keeps you safe. Now, if you're in the storm and you get out from under the umbrella, you're about to get wet, right? The storm is about to have full effect on you. But as long as you stay under the umbrella, you're protected. For the child, God gave you parents. And here's what he said. You obey them. You honor them. And he said, it's the first commandment with a promise. So that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. What is that? Fullness and freedom. Every time you obey and honor your parents, here's what you're doing. You're standing under the umbrella of God's protection. But when you disobey and dishonor, you remove the umbrella of God's protection and blessing on your life. Let me show it to you in the, in the scripture. Psalm 71 Listen to what the psalmist said. Look at Psalm 71, verse 3. He said, be to me a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. You have given commandment to what? Say it out loud. Save me. The word save is a Hebrew word that, that describes this moving out into broad pastures, bringing into safe places. God said, I've given you commandment not to hurt you. I've given you command. What is the commandment? Obey your parents. Honor your parents. When you do that, here's what it does. It saves you. It leads you into the fullness and the freedom of all that God's given you in life. And listen, that didn't mean there may not be times when your parents are wrong, but when you honor and obey, here's what you're saying. God, I trust that you're big enough to change the heart of my parents. If this boundary is too strict, if this standard is too high, Lord, I'm going to submit to what you've told me in your word, and I'm going to trust that you're big enough to change their heart. The opposite is also true. Let me show you the proverb. Look what it says. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. That's graphic right before lunch. Amen. <laughs> What's he talking about there? Here's what he's talking about. Death. 
You know what the ravens do? They, they pick the flesh off a dead corpse. You know how they know it's dead? They start by picking the eye. Because if, the, if it's not dead, when the raven goes to pick the eye, whatever's laying there is about to move, right? It's a picture of death and destruction. The exact opposite of, of, of this verse here where he says, honor your father and mother so that it'll be well with you and you'll live long. Here's what he said. You, you mock and scorn your parents, death and destruction. Now, he's not teaching us here that if we honor and obey our parents, that means we live to be 100 years old. That's not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. All the life that God intended for you to live, the fullness, the freedom of all the life God planned for you, you'll enjoy if you'll honor and obey your parents. Hey, mom and dad, let me challenge you to do something today. Go home with your kids. Get out an umbrella. And teach them. Hey, you don't have to obey me because I'm dad. It's not you have to because, no. Let me, let me, let me tell you why God designed this. God's given me as your dad the responsibility to be an umbrella in your life. And listen, there are going to be times that I'm going to get it wrong. But let me tell you this. When I do, I'm going to ask you to forgive me. I'm going to tell you I'm wrong. I got four kids. My wife and I, we've raised them together. And I, there have been times, we, we, before God, we've tried to do our best with boundaries, parameters, standards. But there have been times where I've messed up. Times where I was too hard or too lenient or we're not going to get it perfect. But here's what we need to do. When we don't, let them learn something else about us from God. Let us learn how gracious and forgiving and restorative he is by taking even our brokenness and making it right. And tell your kids, kids, I'm going to do the very best I can before God to hear from him about providing protection and blessing in your life. And ask them, would you pray for me as I try to be this for you? Let's pray together today. Father, would you teach us from your word, God, give us instruction. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in this moment? And right now, this morning, with nobody looking around, you just sitting prayerfully before the Lord, we're going to close our service in just a moment. We're going to stand. We're going to sing a song of worship. But I want to do something today that God put on my heart as I was praying about this message this week. Here's what I want to do. If you're here today and you have a child, a grandchild, or a great-grandchild that's in a difficult season, maybe they're far from God. Maybe you cry yourself to sleep at night praying for them. Or maybe physically or emotionally, they're in a difficult place because of the pressures of the world that we live in. If that's, if that's you today, I want to invite you, when we stand in just a moment, to just come get in one of these altars up here at the front. And I'm going to, any pastors or deacons that we have in this service, I'm going to ask you to do something. As, as moms and dads and grandparents and great-grandparents kneel here at the front, 
I'm going to ask you to just, just move along and just pray over them. We want to we agree together with you and stand in the gap for your kids and your grandkids. And I'm trusting God today to do some miracles. Some miracles in the lives of some boys and girls, young people, young adults, independent children, but they're far from God. So when we stand, and maybe you don't even want to wait till we stand. If you want to come right now, you can come. Just get in one of these altars. That's okay. But if you're a mom, a dad, a grandparent, great-grandparent with a child or grandchild that is in need of God today, we're just going to pray over you. So you can just come and get in one of these altars. Just kneel here, and our deacons and pastors will pray over you. Secondly, today, if you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, what I've shared today is what Paul's writing to Christian people. But it assumes something really big. It assumes a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God today, that's the starting point. The whole story of the Bible is that God created you to know him and to love him and to be known and loved by him. But because of our sin, we've all sinned against God. We're separated from a relationship with God. But the Bible teaches us that God loved us so much that he didn't leave us there. He loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus into the world Jesus came and he died on a cross. You say, why did he do that? Here's why he did it. He took all of your sin and all of my sin on himself and on the cross. He died in our place, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sin so that you and I could put our faith in Jesus. And when we do that, guess what? God forgives all our sin and by faith and through his grace he welcomes us back into the family of God and you get to be God's child not because we deserve that or earn that but because of the grace and provision of Jesus if you're here today and you don't know Jesus when we stand to sing some will be coming here to pray I want you to come to one of our pastors today and simply say this I need Jesus that's all you got to say And we'll have somebody sit down with you and open a Bible and in a couple of minutes show you how you can begin a relationship with God. For others of you today, our pastors are going to be here. If there's something in your job, your health, your family, your finances that you need us to pray for, you just come. We'd be honored to pray for you and with you today. We're trusting God for some miracles today. Lord, have your way. It's in the name of Jesus.